Hi guys, welcome back to Tell Me About It, where each week I have a heart-to-heart about mental health and health challenges, mistakes, rejections, and shame spirals. So I just want to start this episode with a trigger warning. In this episode, we will talk about miscarriage and other fertility struggles. So over the past few months, I've gotten a lot of requests for fertility episodes. I don't know if something's just in the air or if we're all just starting to become more open about it, but it kind of feels like nearly everyone is struggling in some capacity to get pregnant. Obviously, that's a generalization, but maybe it's the age that I'm at now. I just feel like I keep running into fertility conversations everywhere I go. I think another factor is that there's just so much gray area surrounding your reproductive system and fertility that really none of us know what to do and are just looking to each other to try to figure it out. So my friends will call me all the time and be like, are you considering freezing your eggs or have you gotten your AMH tested or has your doctor counted how many eggs you have? And I really don't have an answer for that. I I really don't know when you're supposed to start doing all that, if it's damaging to harvest your eggs earlier. I don't, I really don't know. But one thing I do know is we need to start talking about it a lot more, especially in terms of people that are having trouble getting pregnant, because I just think that process can be so isolating and is so deeply personal. It can be really isolating even from your partner or from the people closest to you. It can make you feel broken. It can make you feel disconnected from your body entirely. And I think there's a lot of information out there and a lot of doctors talking about it, but there aren't enough firsthand narratives out there to make you feel hopeful in a time that it's so easy to lose hope. So today's episode is with Lindsay Surowitz. Lindsay is actually Dylan's cousin, who I met seven years ago on her wedding day, which you'll hear us talk about. She's a holistic nutritionist and a healthy food blogger. But I want to make sure that you guys know that this is not a, like, health-focused, only-eat-great-fruits-and-legumes-to-get-pregnant episode. Instead, this is one woman's very raw firsthand experience. I think it's really important that Lindsay's a holistic nutritionist because I think it's so easy when you do have trouble getting pregnant to blame your body. It's probably the first thing that we do. We blame ourselves. And, you know, if we'd eaten better, if we'd had a more holistic lifestyle, if we practice more self-care, all of those things can just so easily pop in your head. But the reality is so much of fertility is hereditary. So Lindsay left her holistic lifestyle at the door and just got very real and very specific about her own fertility journey. So because Lindsay is Dylan's cousin and because she's such a dear friend of mine, I watched so much of Lindsay's fertility journey up close. And I just think that the way that she handled it and came out on the other side and just the realness and openness that she has surrounding this very devastating at times process is really inspiring and I think will make a lot of you feel less alone. So two terms that are super important for you guys to know before we start, IVF is in vitro fertilization and IUI is intrauterine insemination. So you'll hear us talk about those two terms a bunch in this episode, and Lindsay will explain more of the intricacies involved, but I just wanted you to know what they stand for. It's important to mention not every fertility journey ends with a baby. You know, Lindsay kept saying to me time and time again, I feel like my story isn't as bad as everyone else's, and I feel like I'm so lucky that I got pregnant and all of that. And what I just kept saying to her was, pain is subjective. 
everyone's story is better and worse in every which way. And all that we're trying to do, we're not trying to say that Lindsay's story is the worst. We're not trying to say that this is just how it goes for everyone. This is just one person's experience. And I think so much of the pain and the trauma involved is universal. So I think if you're going through this journey, you will be able to relate to at least one part of Lindsay's story. And however you choose to become a parent, if you even choose to become a parent, is perfect and wonderful. And yeah, just wanted to end with that. So without further ado, here is Lindsay to talk about her fertility journey. Hi, Linz. Hi, Jade. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. I like bullied Lindsay into coming on this podcast. I was I was intimidated, but I'm excited to chat about it all with you. So fun fact, I am dating Lindsay's cousin Dylan. So Lindsay and I are friends and family in real life, or like family almost in real life. And we know each other very, very, very well. So this is I've been calling you my cousin for years because it's like it doesn't seem right to just say, (laughs) oh, that's my cousin's girlfriend. It's like eight years in. Yes, I know. It's been a it's been a minute. So let's go back. Will you tell us a little bit about Weeknight Bite and what you do? So I have a blog and Instagram called Weeknight Bite. It started in 2012 as quick and easy weeknight meals that you could make after work, hence the name Weeknight Bite. It started as all quick and easy recipes. And at the time, it was these like 10-minute cooking videos where I was just Mm -hmm. teaching people how to make a simple and easy meal. And it's since changed so much. I mean, there's a bunch of recipes on there, but it's not just dinners. I would say my biggest mm-hmm. um, recipe section is desserts because I have such a sweet tooth. But it's all um, things that you can make in under 30 minutes that you don't have to be a, a professional cook and you can just get in and out of the kitchen. Yeah, they're very like non-intimidating. Yes, yeah. just very approachable recipes. And then... Um, I had gone back to school for nutrition, so I added a whole nutrition aspect to the site. So it's a little bit of wellness, a little bit of recipes, a little motherhood and lifestyle. Um, I I call it a down-to-earth guide to living well. So it's just approachable. That's a great thing to call it. It really is. Yeah. 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 So I love it, and it's kind of where I share my life, my food inspiration, wellness, everything. Yes, you can follow her at Weeknight Bite, which we'll talk about later. But I think it's important to emphasize just how healthy and health conscious you are, because I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about fertility and the kinds of people that have trouble. And so I want to go back to the beginning. We've been getting a lot of DMs from a very wide range of people all asking for a fertility episode because it's kind of like the story that's missing from the tell me about it narrative. We haven't really had anyone that's talked about it in depth. And I went through so much of your story with you and I watched Mm -hmm. you go through it. And I think your story is so inspirational. But more than that, I think, you know, like inspiration is good for like running a marathon or all these other things. And I think, you know, it's inspirational, but more than that, it's comforting. Mm -hmm. I think that's like what you need while you're going through this process is like comfort to know you're not alone. Other people feel broken and like something's wrong with them also. And like that all these feelings aren't just you, you know, so I really appreciate you telling the story. That's so true. And when I was going through it, I remember searching the podcast app for 
episodes about miscarriage or episodes about IVF. And I couldn't find anything that was from just a real person sharing their story. It was all doctors talking about IVF or it was too scientific. And I wanted to hear from someone who had been where I was and had success to give me some hope going through the process. And I just couldn't find it. I do think, you know, in the last several years, people are opening up and talking more, which is great. But I feel like you know, I'm so happy to have the conversation with you because if people are asking for it and they're going through it, you know, anything to make someone feel less alone in the process, because really there's so many women going through it and beyond we shouldn't have to do it, you know, or feel, feel alone. No. And you're giving such a gift by paying it forward and like sharing your story. But yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because I think, as someone who's like not necessarily ready to start the baby making process myself, I'm nervous like every day because nearly everyone I know is having trouble in some capacity. So it's kind of like, you know, there's so many questions I have for you that I want to ask you, like as far as like, what do you advise people my age or people that aren't yet ready to maybe start? Like everyone's like, what do I do? Because you <laughs> think you have so much more control than you really do, you know, mm-hmm. when, and when in reality, it's just kind of like a roll of the dice and you don't know what your situation or your journey to motherhood will look like. Right. So that can feel scary. But let's go back to the beginning. So I actually met you on your wedding day, which was <laughs> traumatizing <laughs> at best. This is the best way to meet you. It was the best way to meet you. I mean, in hindsight, it was, but it was also the most terrifying way to meet you. Like, well, you Dylan got and I, thrown into the whole family at a big event. Sharks. Oh my god, <laughs> Dylan was like, "Yeah, we're gonna go to my cousin's wedding, and like, literally every family member I have is gonna be there, and you're just gonna meet them all at once." Which I guess is kind of nice. And of course, everyone loved you. Oh my god, stop! No, I fell in love with you. It's when we all fell in love, so it's a great memory to have. But when did you and Mitch get married? Let's go back to your story. So Mitch and I, we met in college at USC Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. 2007. We dated a little bit in college, nothing serious really at the time. And then a couple of years after graduating, we reconnected and that's when we started seriously dating. And then we got married in November. I was probably 23. We got engaged when I was 25. We got married when I was 27 in 2014. Okay. Wow, you were my age when I met you. Yeah, yeah. That's wild. Okay, so you guys have been married for how long? So this year will be seven years. Oh, duh. Yeah, it's how long Dylan and I have been together. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. Okay, so after you got married, you were 26, right? Were you, did you guys have the conversation like, how long do you want to wait to have kids? Or were you like, the second we get married, we're going to go off birth control? And were you on birth control before? Yes. So I had just turned 27 when we got married. And then I wanted to wait a while to have kids. Mm -hmm. And back to your comment about like what to do even before you're ready to have kids. It was like maybe a year after we got married, we just decided to do the genetic testing to see if either of us were carriers of anything, just to know. The test I did was called Council. It's like a genetic screening. There's a bunch of different ones, but we had done the screening just to see if, because both of us being Jewish, there's a lot of other conditions that, you know, we're more susceptible to being carriers of. So we did all the testing and we found out that neither of us were carriers of anything and we didn't carry the same 
any anything like that. So I knew that in advance. I didn't really know anything else. Like I didn't know. So anything. you weren't like planning to have a baby at no. that time. You were like still on birth control and yeah. Like, okay. And I had gotten married, and uh, my gynecologist was like, "Do you want to do this test?" I'm like, "Oh, that's a good idea." So yeah. I so I did that, and that was pretty much it. And we hadn't really talked about kid you know our timing I just wanted to have some time just us to be married and like spontaneous and travel and do our thing yeah and really when it came up we had been married for two years and we were on a trip through Italy and Spain and Mitch was like I think that you should get off birth control and we should just see what happens I was like, no way do I want to do that. Because, <laughs> like, you never feel like – you feel so young. Like, you're like, right. what? Yeah, yeah. It's such a weird decision to have to make. we been married for two years. I had this, like, grand plan of yeah. let's be married for five years before we have kids. So you're 29 at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. And, okay. and he had said, you know, like, let's just see what happens. I had been on birth control for – probably 12 years at that point. Mm -hmm. I think I got on it when I was 17. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we, I just figured I'd get off and I was like, but be warned, we're not going to get pregnant right now. Don't come near me. I don't want to try yet. Right. So, so like condom usage predominantly. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Great. Just just methods other than, I honestly can't remember, but yes, I was like, let's just try not Give it to a get whirl. pregnant. Mm-hmm. Then like months went by that I wasn't getting my period. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, this might be harder than I thought. You know, mm-hmm. I figured mm-hmm. like you get off birth control. And it was like I said, like, don't get me pregnant. Don't come near right. me. But all of a sudden, I wasn't getting my period. And so I had scheduled an appointment with a reproductive acupuncturist. And I just wanted to like get my cycle back and and try to approach it from a very like holistic, natural way. So I had made this appointment and she had called me before the appointment and was just asking me like health history and said, any chance that you could be pregnant? I'm like, no, that's why I'm coming to you. I don't even have a period. But then I thought about it. I'm like, I haven't had my period in three months. Let me just go take a test. So I went across the street. I grabbed a test from CVS. I took it and then I just went in the other room. I was doing dishes. Like I had no thought that it could be positive. Came back in. It was positive. Wow. And then wow. I I went back to CVS. I got three different brands. They were all positive. So I called the acupuncturist. I told her the whole thing. And then um, by the time I had a blood test, you know, a couple of days later, it was it was negative. And so what the doctor said was that it was a biochemical pregnancy, which is basically just like a very early pregnancy loss. And right, like up until like before six weeks. Yeah. And had I okay. had I not taken the test, I would have never even known I was pregnant. Right. Which is wild. Yeah. And so those What with that pregnancy, like let's just stop on that pregnancy really quickly. Were you like naive in the way that you did you tell everyone right when you found no, out? No, I mean I so I was kind of upset to see the positive. I wasn't ready for it, which is so funny because I'm like, 
that would have been so lucky if I had just, right. you know, if it just worked out that easily. That's the shift we all have to make is like we spend our whole lives not wanting to get pregnant. And then all of a sudden it's like yeah. everything you want in life, you know? So I didn't feel ready for it. I had literally just left my job. I was working in corporate insurance and just left to fully pursue weeknight bite. And I was like, I have all these plans and, and things that I wanted to do. And oh my God, I'm pregnant. I called Mitch. He was driving down to San Diego. We were living in LA at the time. And I was like crying. I'm pregnant. He's like, this is the best news ever. He was so excited that I realized, yeah, "Yeah, you know what? This is part of our, we're, we're married. This is part of our plan. This is what we wanted. Yeah. I need to get excited. And so I didn't really tell anyone except my best friend. We went out to dinner that night and she was like, let's celebrate. This is great. And so, you know, it all happened so fast and then it was over. And that's when I was like, I was disappointed when, once the blood test was negative. And that's when I was like, you know what? I do want to get pregnant. Let's, let's go for it. So that's how it started into us, like, actually really trying. Okay. So th- from that biochemical pregnancy to then, were you just having sex for a little while? Like, can you tell me when you first kind of realized maybe something isn't working or maybe something's not going right. Yeah. So after that, a couple more months went by. I wasn't getting my period. And if I was, I wasn't getting pregnant. Just things weren't happening. And so mm-hmm. I think it had basically been a year. And then I was like, we need to go talk to a doctor and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So that's when I went to my first fertility doctor's appointment. And okay. and that's not necessarily an IVF doctor. So she does IVF. She does everything. You know, she can start slow with like just, you know, some hormone injections. Um, She can do IUI, which is based, it's um, intrauterine insemination. So it's like steps What they call the turkey baster. Yes. They just shoot the sperm up. So there were other options. My first appointment with her, and she didn't end up being my doctor because I ended up switching. But my first appointment, she ran all of these tests on me. Like your AMH and you're looking at your eggs and stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Which basically is symbolic of your egg reserve. Um, some doctors make a bigger deal about it than others, but mine was pretty low considering I was like 29, 30. It was way lower than it should have been. And her bedside manner, she was just so to the point. I met with her first appointment and she's like, you're going to need to do IVF. And mm-hmm. you have, you know, your your aver- your ovaries are prematurely aging and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm, oh, great. I'm 29. Yeah. What do you yeah. mean? But like also terrible bedside manner. Yeah. And you know what? She had so many people in the way. I could just tell like people were just in and out of that office all day long. And I was, it was not like a personal relationship. Right. She was just like very quick with me. But a lot of people I've talked to switch doctors several times throughout their Mm-hmm. fertility process because it's hard. like you need someone that makes you feel comfortable and protected and safe and all of those things for sure because you're practically living at that office I mean once you start right. IVF you have appointments all the time and you better have a really good relationship with your nurse like the nurse I ended up having became such a close friend to me and Aww. she held my hand through every appointment and I I just am so grateful for her but you have to find you know, the right doctor and what works for you. Absolutely. Okay. So first you got your AMH tested and she told you all that garbage. And so you were like, (laughs) you went home with a plan or were you just like, what do I do? What, what did that feel like? I told her it was very overwhelming. I was in tears Mm -hmm. 
And I told her, I'm not doing IVF. I'm like, I'm young, I'm healthy. Let's just start with the least invasive thing we can do. And so the first thing we did is what's called timed intercourse. And so that's basically you take um, like a hormone injection that triggers your eggs to, or your egg to drop at like exactly 36 hours after that injection. And then you have sex right at that, right at that minute. So yes, very romantic. Yes. (laughs) Super romantic, super spontaneous. Yes. So we did that. I ended up getting pregnant from that. And then um, I went in for my blood test. It was positive. And then you go in every couple of days to make sure your HCG, your pregnancy hormone levels are rising. And by my second test, it had dropped in half. And then two days later, it had dropped again. So again, it didn't stick. Did you let yourself get a little more excited than the first pregnancy? With the positive blood test, I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. it worked. You know, I'm pregnant. I didn't realize that the number was pretty low. At the end of all this, I could teach like a class in analyzing all of these different numbers. But I know. Yeah, I didn't realize. But, you know, I did get I did feel hopeful about it. I had told my parents. And then two days later, the number dropped in half. So it was at that point that I learned, like, don't get excited. You know, it's going to be a long process. Right. Um, so after after the time intercourse, I decided to take the next step forward, which was the IUI. I did my IUI. And how many months later was that? Like, do you have to wait like a certain amount of time? I think I gave myself like two months and then we okay. did it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did the IUI, which was actually pretty easy. Mitch wasn't even with me. I didn't even think about it. We took our dog in the car. We were like, oh, let's go do the IUI and then we'll go to Dog Beach and go out to brunch. Yeah, and that sounds like a great like, day. Oh, stay out. Yeah. He's like, I'll just stay out here with, with Penny, our dog. And then I was in there. I'm like, this is bizarre. I'm potentially getting pregnant. You're not even in here with me. It's just outside. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Did you have to do prep for that? Like, did you have to do shots? I didn't need any shots. I have a couple friends who have gotten pregnant through IUI, but they had to do all the same shots that I did for IVF. So it just kind of depends on your doctor and probably your hormone levels and your process. But for me, I didn't, I didn't do anything before that one. So I did the IUI. Then you wait your two weeks. Every time you wait two weeks, it's like the most brutal long two weeks. Yes. And that pregnancy, it stuck for much longer. I got pregnant and I was very wary about it this time. Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. talk about it. I'm not going to celebrate it. Let's just see what happens. And I, at that point, had switched to an, another doctor, the one that I ended up sticking with, just for like my appointments before you graduate. You graduate from your fertility doctor around nine or 10 weeks. Oh, wow. Okay. And then you switched to like an OBGYN kind of thing? Exactly. Okay. And so I went there for all of my monitoring. Everything was good. I graduated. I had my my 12-week appointment. And I was so excited about it. Saw the heartbeat. You know, everything was fine. And I had, we had Thanksgiving. You were there. <laughs> you remember. Mm-hmm. We had Thanksgiving that weekend. And... I remember asking the doctor, is it okay if I tell my family before I have my um, nuchal scan, which is where they like measure the fluid behind the baby's neck? 
And okay. I was supposed to have that a couple of days after Thanksgiving. And the doctor said, yes, you're, you're healthy. Your appointments have been going well. You're young. I think you're good to tell your family. So mm. I had made this huge announcement to the family at Thanksgiving that I was pregnant and um, everyone celebrated. It was this big thing. Everyone knew that we had been going through it for the last, you know, couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then I went to my nuchal translucency scan a couple of days later. And it was just the, literally the worst day of my life. I mean, mm. everything was wrong. And the like the doctor told me that the baby would miscarry any day now and so yeah that that was real that was the most brutal I was 13 weeks at that point like starting to show and everything oh yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and starting to get excited about it totally so so that's when like that was a dark period for me yeah I mean just getting through that Yeah. What was that day? It was so surreal. I mean, getting that news. So we had our scan and the technician who was doing it was completely silent the whole time. And I saw the baby. The baby was on the screen. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, look at the cute feet. And he's kicking, he's moving. And Mm -hmm. actually, I didn't know the gender at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything looked fine. I didn't know what to look for. But the person who was doing the scan didn't say a word. And so I'm sure right away she saw what was wrong and was like, Mm. I'm not going to engage with this pregnant mom saying how cute the baby is. And so then the doctor came in and said, you know, I need to talk to you guys and brought us down this long hallway. And I just like I vividly remember that walk being like Mm. something's really wrong. So. They sat us down in the office and they basically told us like this pregnancy shouldn't have lasted this long. It's a, it's a surprise that it went this long. It's not mm-hmm. going to keep going. And honestly, I don't remember the rest of the conversation. I just yeah, like, I, I just blacked out and, and mm. Mitch listened to everything. And then I had to call my mom and tell her. And it was just like unbelievable. I mean, 13 weeks you think like, oh, I've gotten to this point. I'm going to be okay. Like your doctor gave you the clear to tell your family. Yeah. And you realize how fragile pregnancy is. Like it's so, such a miracle and so lucky to get to the end and have that baby. Oh my God. I know so many people who have had losses after me, you know, in their second trimester and later. And it's, it's horrible to go through it at any stage, you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah. So can you t- can you tell me about that day? What's what are some what are some things that people don't understand about like the way that you feel going through that? And like was it hard for your partner to like for Mitch to understand what you were going through? So I just didn't believe it. We ran some tests that day because I was like I I need proof that like something's really wrong. I just can't mm-hmm. imagine that this is happening. And so um the test took a couple days. Oh, so you just had to sit in it. Yeah, to just be like waking up pregnant, (sighs) knowing like I might not have this baby. It was such a horrible feeling. And, you know, Mitch was so there for me and so loving. But it's like 
no one feels what you feel. It's your own body. And then... Mm -hmm. And you already feel so connected to the baby or this, you know, whatever. And I had started, because I was so nervous with my experience before, I had started this little journal. Like I read this book, I think it was called The Mindful Mom to Be. And it was talking about how to connect with your baby after you've had losses before. And so I started like writing little notes to the baby and what I thought the baby would be like. And it just felt so real to me, even though, you know, 13 weeks, it it is far, but it's, you still have a long ways to go, but I just felt so pregnant. I was already in my maternity genes and yeah, you'd never been that far in pregnancy. Right. So to lose that that pregnancy and to have to wake up and still kind of look pregnant and not feel mm -hmm. like myself and tell your whole family and tell everyone you know and I couldn't even like face telling everyone I think my mom had to tell the whole mm -hmm. extended understandably family. understandably yeah so so with that did you have to have it surgically removed or how yes mm -hmm. yeah so then there's like the whole recovery with that but honestly, it's like the mental aspect of it. I just lost like so much faith in myself. And I felt like, what's wrong with me? Like, am I not supposed to be a mom? Mm. I just had so much doubt. Was it hard for you to relate to other people at that time? It was hard. I mean, it was hard for me to explain how I felt. And it was hard for people to to know what to say. And everyone just wanted to be there for me, but everyone seemed to say the wrong things. <laughs> like what? Can you give us some examples? I mean, it's like, oh, well, that wasn't meant to be your baby. Mm -hmm. I, why? Why isn't that meant to be my right. baby? I, and, and then like, you know, years later, once I had Noah, I can't imagine him not being my first baby. So now I can say, right. say like this, you were meant to be my baby. But in that moment, when you've just lost a pregnancy that you're so excited about, and someone says, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be, or this was like, you know, everything happens for a reason. You're like, how I, dare it just you? Doesn't, yeah. yeah, it just doesn't explain things for me. And I think the best thing that, anyone could do is what you did Jade you came down I oh, remember you drove down from LA and like got in bed with me and I just didn't have to talk I mm -hmm. could just cry we watched movies and like you weren't trying to problem solve for me because I think a lot of people are like yeah. okay well this is how we're gonna fix it and this is how you're gonna feel better yeah. and really just being able to like be there and sit in Hold the space pain if that's what you want yeah it, it's I think that's the best thing you can do for a friend is like you just let them feel what they want to feel. Don't try and fix it. Just be there yeah. with like love and hugs and cookies and ice cream. Yeah, because you know? that's uncomfortable for some people to like not know what to say, not know what to do. And like especially with miscarrying and fertility, it's like it's so personal. There's really nothing anyone from the outside, especially someone that hasn't gone through it themselves, can say or do. And it 100%. really is just like sitting in the shit with someone and just like riding it out, you know? Okay, I don't want to take a break, but we have to. We'll be right back. I would imagine like during that time when your friends were all getting pregnant and was that super awkward and like 
did you feel like people were tiptoeing really around hard. you? Did you appreciate yeah. people tiptoeing around you? I just felt like no one could do anything right, unfortunately, when you're in that when you're no, in that I think mode, that's it's relatable. Like, it's like everything you're gonna say is wrong and yes. nothing you say is gonna make me feel better. And that's you know real. what? I do appreciate that people, if they wanted to tell me they were pregnant, I I felt that they were like afraid to tell me. And of course I'm happy for my friends, you know? Right. There's always going to be that feeling of like, oh, I wish I was in this with you. You know, I wish we were pregnant together. And I had so many friends that were pregnant at the same time. And then I just kept seeing their pregnancies progress and thinking, whoa, this is what I would have been 20 weeks now. I would have been 30 weeks. And I even see their kids now. I'm like, that's crazy. I would have had a baby that age. So yeah, it's tough. And it's, I think that social media made things harder for me because I felt like I'd scroll through a million pregnancy announcements and no one was saying, you know, it took us a while to get here. No one was saying anything. It was just like happy announcement after happy announcement. I'm like, am I the only one that's going through this? Isn't it wild how much that's shifted? You know, even in the past five years, like you're right at that time, no one was doing that. And also, it's important to mention you were living your life online. You were blogging and on Instagram. And so like that juxtaposition between your real life and then having to be like, oh, I actually care what you have for dinner when you're probably like, I don't fucking care what any of you guys do. You know, like you're going through hell. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. I couldn't get on Instagram stories. I couldn't cook a dinner. I couldn't do couldn't do anything. And I just couldn't be on Instagram. So I ended up deleting the app for a few weeks. I didn't even say anything like I'm going off Instagram. I just deleted it. I couldn't be on there. And then and you're lucky that you could like financially do that. At the time, my business was less Instagram focused. I mean, I was using that to like get nutrition clients, but I wasn't doing as much sponsored work. And so I just I I could just stop for a little while and I was still working one-on-one with with clients. So I was able to just take some time off. And then when I went back on, I had all of these messages of like, where have you been? Are you okay? Yeah. And so I didn't really, I didn't feel ready to talk about it, but I had just said something like, you know, I'm going through something personal. I had to take time off and now I'm back. Yeah. So that was that. But yeah, it's hard. Oh, so hard. If you're like, you know, if you haven't talked about it and you're trying to like still work and you know it's really hard to live like two different lives and you don't want to include a bunch of people because like the noise in your head is already probably so loud that you don't need all these outside opinions and advice and whatever at the time yeah and I think that like whatever you're going through whether it's trying to get pregnant or um I don't know anything it's all that you end up seeing on your social media so it's like everywhere I look so true that fucking algorithm it's pregnancy announced. Or if you're like wanting to get married and all you see are people showing their engagement, things like that. You just see it everywhere. So I think it's important to know like for your mental sanity when it's time to take a break. Totally. And something I wanted to ask you about that I, I've never asked you before, but I thought about it the other day because I was talking to Dylan and we were like just talking about like, you know, our future, like whatever. And I mean, I hope he doesn't care that I'm outing him. But he like he naively was like, you know, I was like, well, I, I'm such a catastrophizer. So I'm like, well, what if I have to do IVF? And like, I should probably get all my levels tested right now. And, I, you know, I want some control over it that I don't have, you know. And mm-hmm. he just naively said like, oh, but like I want to try naturally because like ideally we'd have it naturally. 
And I'm like, T.O., T.O., T.O. I was like, I can't have that pressure on me. And also, like, the word natural, which is, like, what everyone uses, is so wrong. Did you feel like you had to, like, make, like, hurt Mitch's dreams in some way? Like, when, like, did you feel that responsibility? Like, obviously, everyone wants to just get pregnant the easy way. Right, hello. Yes. yeah, it's it would be so fun for me to get pregnant and then surprise Mitch with this like positive test that he's not expecting. I mean, I would love that. But that's not most people's experience. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, you said getting pregnant naturally. That was hard for me because I was in the nutrition space. Like I eat healthy. I try to live as naturally as I right. can. And all of a sudden I'm doing all this hormone treatment because after everything happened, that's when we had decided to move forward and do IVF. But I'm like, this is as un- unnatural. Right. I took some time off to just like heal and reset. But I do feel like, you know, I wanted to be as natural as I could. And all of a sudden I was feeling like this is so unnatural. I'm injecting all of these hormones in my body. So I just did what I could to feel to to take control of what what I could. I was still going to acupuncture. I was still eating healthy. I was trying to like live my best life while going yeah. through it all. But then again, there's days that you're like, I just need to eat all the ice cream and pizza and yes. feel and better. And that's okay too. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to talk about the partner aspect of it, you know, because a partner can be the most empathetic possible. You know, they can be the kindest person in the world, but it's really something you can't even articulate until like unless you've gone through it yourself. And you and Mitch are so close and have such an incredible relationship. Like do you have any advice for people that might feel like disconnected from their partner during this time? I think what's hard is and I don't know if this is the case with all men versus women, but <laughs> Mitch is such a problem solver. Like, he wants to find the answer of how to make everything better. Because he hates seeing you suffer. Yeah. And so he wanted to say, like, everything's going to be okay, Linz. It's going to work next time. Like, we're going to get through this. And I'm like, how do you know? Uh, How do you know that it's going to work next time? It didn't work this time. And there were times that I so badly just wanted him to, like, let me be sad and just be sad with me. And it's okay. You don't have to have the answer. And you don't have to fix it and make it better. Because that's what he does. He makes everything better, you know? Yeah. And and in those moments, like, he doesn't have to do that. And that's a big responsibility mm-hmm. for him. Like, you can just feel the feels with me and that's okay. And so I think that we had to have that talk of, like, this is what I need from you. And it's hard. I mean, he he wanted it as badly as I did. And then even though he wasn't going through it physically to see me going through it and feeling like helpless and he doesn't know what to do. I think it's isolating for him. And you're living in secrecy. Right. You're not. Yeah. And there's so many women, you know, once you start talking about it, you find other people who have gone through it, but like their spouses aren't really talking. And so Mitch was super alone going through it like who's mm-hmm. he gonna talk to about what he's feeling yeah so I think that's something I probably didn't realize until after because yeah. I was just so like immersed in my own sadness in survival and just, mode yeah yeah and I think that it was probably really hard for him too and he was trying to hold all of us together mm-hmm. so how did you like take me to the day after your surgery or your DNC it was a DNC right mm-hmm 
what did that feel like, the process of picking the pieces back up? I honestly felt like I couldn't pick the pieces back up. I didn't get out of bed for a while. You know, my family, they are my rock. Like, they came over every day. They brought food. They, like, sat with me in bed. They Mm -hmm. just were totally there. But I just needed time to, like, try to move forward and figure out what we were going to do next. And I felt like my body had been through a lot, like, you know, the the getting pregnant and then getting through the first trimester and all those hormones, then you're coming off of them. I just like needed time to feel better. Did you feel like disconnected from your body because you're putting it through so much? Like, did you feel like disassociated from it? I felt like disconnected from everything. I felt yeah. like, I felt like my body had failed me. And then I felt like I wasn't myself anymore. And Mitch used to always tell me, like, he would say that I had, like, a sparkle. He always called it my sparkle. You do. And I, like, told him one day, like, my sparkle's gone. I lost it. Like, it's, I don't have it anymore. Like, I'm not that person Mm. anymore. Because I always felt like I was a pretty optimistic person, like, glass Mm -hmm. half full. And this really, like, knocked me. And I felt like... I just felt like I lost hope. I just had bad thoughts about like not that I should be a mom. And I kept telling him like, I don't have my sparkle anymore. Like that's not me. And I just needed time to come back to myself. And actually, I think like the best thing that we did was we went to Europe after all this happened. We did a bunch of testing after we figured out what happened with the baby and then we got through it. And then at that point we decided we wanted to do IVF. We wanted to have more control over the experience. I wanted to test the embryos before I got pregnant to make sure I would never go through this again. Yes. And that's what took us into that whole part of our process. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that a hard decision to make initially or was it just like, no, this is absolutely what we're doing? It was not hard for me at all. I was like, I cannot go through this again. And even though I technically could, I knew that I could get pregnant without IVF because I did before with the IUI. I was like, just that having that extra level of testing and monitoring, Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is 100% what we need to do. And we were both on the same page with it. Good. That's when we started that process. We were already at our new doctor who I loved and you know, we were already like a year, two years in. I'm like, let's just, let's get serious and get this done. So you did, so what do you do during those two years? You're just like getting eggs, you're harvesting basically, right? No, no. I mean, like from the time that we first started trying to where we were then. Okay. Yeah. It's like two years had gone by. Right. And so then we started the IVF process, which. And you're like 31 at this point? I was 30. 30. Okay. So. We started that process. I was so intimidated by it. I luckily had some friends who had been through it and had success stories and were like my cheerleaders through that. And then I also connected with people through social media. Like there were so few people that were posting about IVF that it was like pretty easy to find the ones that were. So I like, I made these Instagram friends who who gave me such good advice and and told me like how to just 
make it through the process. So that was super helpful. And then it was like full steam ahead at that point. So for people that don't know, freezing your eggs is different than creating embryos. It's a similar process, but one is missing the sperm and an embryo has the egg and sperm. So yeah, it's pretty much that exact same process, except that when you're just freezing eggs, they take your eggs and they freeze them versus when you're doing embryos, they extract your eggs and then they fertilize them with the sperm. And then it's this whole process at that point of seeing like, how many of the eggs actually fertilize and survive the fertilization process. And then they send them off to testing. And honestly, that was the most stressful part of IVF for me, which I didn't expect. Like I thought it was going to be so stressful doing those shots every night. And, And it is like, it's a lot on your body, but it's like the mental aspect of, okay, we did it. We, the eggs are fertilizing. And when, You first wake up from your procedure of getting um, your egg retrieval. They tell you how many eggs they got. And then like two days later, you have half as many eggs because they're not going to survive. They're not all going to survive. And then two days later, you have less and less and less. And so by the time that you get to the point of sending them, it's like, it's so stressful when you don't have a lot of eggs that you're working with from the start. So did you, just to get really into the minutiae, did you freeze your eggs for IUI? IUI, you don't do anything with your eggs. Okay. So you've never frozen your eggs? No. They just like shoot the sperm up and then you hopefully. They meet an egg up there. That you get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So I hadn't frozen my eggs yet. So this was the first experience and I went through the process and we got the call after it takes like two weeks to get the testing back to see if they're um, chromosomally normal. Mm. And so we got the news back. They had called us and said um, that we had three embryos. And we were like, yes, we did it. We're so happy. It was a great outcome. And then up front, we had to decide, like, do we do another round or do we feel good about that? Do they take your, your best eggs, quote unquote? Yeah, so the doctor knows exactly which one is your most healthiest, your healthiest embryo, and they choose that one to implant when the time comes. Okay, but even when they're retrieving just the eggs out of you, do they take your best looking ones? So they they take all of them. They take all of your eggs. So not all of your eggs that you'll ever have ever, but all from that harvest. And then they just see how many are able to fertilize and, and survive that process. So we we ended up doing that process again, but not until later. So we did our first one, we had the embryos, and then we did our first transfer. And at that point, I'm like, okay, this is it. You know, we've been through the time dinner course. We've been through the IUI. Now, like, it's time for IVF. This has to work. And so... Um, This is like the craziest part of the story, but we did the transfer. I waited the two weeks, got a positive pregnancy test. And I was like, okay, this has to work this time. Yeah. Once again, you go every two days to monitor your levels. My levels were totally off. Like they should have been doubling every two days. They were just very slowly rising. And I'm like, how is this possible? We tested the embryos. We knew they're good. And my doctor had said to me, 
either you're going to miscarry or you might be having an ectopic pregnancy. And an ectopic pregnancy is when the embryo implants in your fallopian tube instead of in your uterus. And I was like, how could I possibly have an ectopic pregnancy? You literally put it in my uterus where it belongs. Yeah, I'd be like, I'd be like, excuse me, sounds like your fault. So, and I know people who had had ectopic pregnancies naturally, and that's why they did IVF, because they wanted to avoid the tubes and go straight to the uterus. So I'm like, there's no way this is going to be an ectopic pregnancy. I was going in every single day, and um, they eventually were able to see. Like It was so early on that they couldn't see where the embryo was on the ultrasound. Finally, they saw that the embryo was in my tube, which hadn't happened in my doctor's office in 15 years. Oh, great. Very comforting. And which is very dangerous, by the way, like for the mom. Right. It was just such a fluke. And when they saw it in there, it was like, no time to even be sad. It's like, we need to schedule you Mm -hmm. for surgery this afternoon. Mm -hmm. Because if something happens and your tube bursts, that can be really dangerous. So that was it. Like I left the office, like didn't have time to be sad, scheduled surgery. I was in surgery that night. Wow. Um, The doctor had said to me, the surgeon was like, we're going to try and save your tube and just keep it intact and just remove the embryo from there. And so I woke up from that surgery and they said, you know, good news. We were able to keep the tube intact. Mm -hmm. And so that's when like, oh, I, that's when I came home to like go through another recovery. And I was like, great. I now have two embryos left, which weren't as good of like quality. It doesn't mean anything about their health, but like the, the likelihood of them implanting wasn't as high as the one that I had just used. So it's like, okay, what's the next step? Honestly, I had gone kind of like numb at that point because I I was like, you know, it's just so much yes. to go through. And I just wanted, I just wanted to move on to the next one. Like, let's just do it. And so um, I kept going in after that surgery for testing to make sure that my HCG was going down, which it should have been because they removed the embryo. My HCG was not going down. So they were like concerned that there may be some cells still left in there. And two weeks to the day from that surgery, I woke up in excruciating pain, screaming for Mitch, like something is wrong, went to the emergency room and my tube had burst because there were still some cells. (sighs) And so, even knowing this story, it is so crazy what you endured. It is like... It's crazy to think back to it because things are so different now and I have yes. such a good end ending to this story yes. and I'm so grateful for that, that I almost feel like I can't believe it happened. Just how strong you had to be, like, is remarkable. I just you know? don't have a choice, you know? I know, but it's amazing to know that you have that strength in you. You're just, you just have to go through it. Yeah, it makes you realize you're, you're more resilient than you think. So Right? I had to have surgery again. It was two weeks later. My like incisions had just started healing. We go back in the surgery and they had to remove that tube completely. Mm -hmm. And 
it was at that point in that surgery that they saw something abnormal mm. and they called in another surgeon to take take a look. And it was like a mass on my liver. And they um, told Mitch and my parents, because I was still like under anesthesia, what they Mm -hmm. found. And um, my parents were like, everyone was like, okay, well, we'll tell her, like, let's let her recover for a couple of days and we'll tell her. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of days later, my doctor, my surgeon calls and he was checking how I was doing. He's like, okay, let's talk about the, what we found. I'm like, what do you mean? And I had no idea. Oh my God. What, what could you possibly found on my liver? So I was terrified, you know, that it was something really serious. Yes. And so at that point, like my mind was not even on pregnancy. I'm like, what could this be that they found in there? Yeah. And I had to do a bunch of, I had to do CAT scan and all these different tests to see if it was cancerous. Mm. And so it's like your mind just goes to, you know, worst case scenario. It was terrifying. And I, everything um, was fine. Like they could tell by one of the scans they did that it was not cancerous. And after some testing, they figured out it was something called a hepatic adenoma, which is basically just a mass on my liver that's very sensitive to hormones and Mm. so it could potentially burst like if it keeps growing it could burst which is super dangerous for the pregnancy and for the mom and I learned that like I I would have to have it removed before my next pregnancy oh another surgery that yeah but that everything was going to be okay that you know, like just hearing that it wasn't cancerous, that it's something yeah. that could be removed, and also hearing that it was something that could have been really harmful for me. Yeah. And I just didn't yes. even know it was in there. Like it almost gave me the closure that I needed because yeah. through all of these surgeries and the two ectopic surgeries, that's when they found this. They wouldn't have seen it mm-hmm. otherwise. Totally. And so it made me feel like maybe this is why I went through it all. Mm hmm. Which I bet you needed at that point. Mm-hmm. And that was when, that was when I had like really felt the sparkle was gone. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not myself. I need to just recover and like we need to come back to each other as a couple and like not talk about pregnancy, not talk about IVF, nothing. And so we decided to take a Europe trip and. Honestly, it was the best thing we could have ever done. Mm. Like I had so much fun on that trip and we just like lived it up and we did yes. not talk about any of this. And I remember getting a message from um, my best friend's mom when I was on the trip and she was like, I see you on your stories and you're back. And I was like, I think I'm back. You know, like I just oh, needed yeah. to just let go of everything and just take a long break and enjoy Reconnect. life again. Yeah, mm-hmm. we needed that so badly. Wow. I have like the chills all over my body throughout this whole story. It was, yeah, it was a lot. And then we came home from the trip. And at that point I was like, okay, we're ready to figure out next steps. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that we had two embryos left, but it was my hope that we'd have you know, more than one baby if we could. 
And I wasn't sure if both of those embryos would work. So we decided to go through another um, egg retrieval, just like up front before we did the next transfer. And it's funny because I was so determined with that one. I'm like, I'm going to do everything they say to do so that I get the best possible result. I was going to acupuncture. I was eating all the things they say to eat. I, I stopped having caffeine. I wasn't drinking. I was like so on it. And my, my process or my result, like was so much better first time around. So of course, yeah, but, um, we ended up getting one embryo from that one and we only had one at the end that got sent to testing. And it's like, we're sending one. There's like a big likelihood that it could come back and it's not a, it's not a healthy one. And that happens to a lot of people. I mean, it's so <sighs> freaking heartbreaking to go through. And then you have to go through it again. That whole process. Yeah, just like to put your body through all of those hormones and then not get anything back is so discouraging. This might be a weird question, but is because like when you freeze your eggs, you know, it's not, it doesn't have all the ingredients to make a baby. Okay, we got to take a quick break and we'll be right back. When you have embryos and like those specific embryos don't survive or something, does it feel, do you think more, does it feel heavier because it's like it could have been a baby? No, I mean, I think about it like those ones that, you know, didn't, didn't survive. It would have been like a biochemical pregnancy or I wouldn't have gotten pregnant from them anyway. Right. So you don't like personify the embryos. No, I mean, I think what's hard is when you're going to do your transfer we knew all we knew the genders up front which I don't know if I would recommend because it does make it really real if it doesn't work out yeah yeah like with that ectopic pregnancy I'm like oh I know what it was you know it's just hard to know it just feels so real so that can bring on a multitude of other emotions right so we got that one back from our second retrieval And then we were like, okay, let's do it. And we went forward with our transfer and I got pregnant and that's Noah. Oh my God. So wait, that, so Noah was the egg that you got the second retrieval. No. So he actually was from my, he was from my first retrieval. He was the OG. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So. Little fighter. Yeah. So So what's that process like choosing? Because I know some people put like three embryos in or two embryos. Yeah, my doctor doesn't do that. I mean, some doctors will implant multiple, either hoping that like if you put two in, one of them will stick or maybe you end up with twins. But I had so few that I was like, I, don't, I first of all, didn't want to put two in just because what if right. two don't work? And then you and lose then, two, right. So, but yeah, my doctor doesn't do it anyway. He does one at a time. Okay. So yeah, so that ended up being Noah and... He's almost two, and Can I like, honestly can't even believe this whole process. And I just want to say, like, I-, I know that it was a long road, but I know that other people have had it harder, and I, it's it's all like relative. And other people have had it way easier. Exactly, you know? it's all pain is subjective in that way. Yeah. No, but I think like there's people are going to be able to find so much comfort in your story maybe just one part or maybe all the parts, you know, like there are other women that are going through this. Cause I, I still think like, yeah, we've gotten a lot better as far as 
telling people and being open about it. But I also think it's something that's painful. So when people have the option, they choose to exclude it, you know, because they're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to live in the past or whatever their reasoning is. And it's just damaging. You know, it's it hurt. It's so hard for people going it. It was hard figuring out first of all I didn't announce it for a long time because I was yeah let's talk about that pregnancy like were do you even let yourself believe it like at what point did you I didn't and I was so anxious about it I I wasn't like writing in my journal to the baby I was just trying to make it through each appointment and then you graduate from your fertility doctor who takes such amazing care of you until 10 weeks and then you go to your OB and you're just like a normal pregnant girl that they're like okay yeah. see you in a month I'm like a month I, I can't wait a month I need to make it's sure like you need to see me every day yeah 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 I need to come in at least once a week so that's a different experience like you just have to have faith that like you're gonna make it to the next appointment which is hard I had a lot of anxiety before every doctor's appointment like panic attack in the parking lot, crying, scared to go in. I started going to therapy. Um, I went to a therapist that specialized in reproductive trauma. And she gave me some strategies of like what I could do if I felt the panic coming before I walked into the the appointments, which was helpful. Do you remember any of those? I mean, it was like a lot of like breathing exercises, envisioning a good result, positive visualization. I started Mm -hmm. doing these meditations on an app called expectful Mm. Um, and they have all these different pregnancy meditations but they also have ones just for IVF which is amazing we'll put that in the show notes so yeah so I had to work on that and I think like I announced it I was 23 weeks and I had like a big belly and (laughs) people were like are you gonna acknowledge this or do I need to say something and I just needed to wait until poor thing you're really terrified I was and I felt like I'm never gonna get to a point where I feel totally comfortable saying it but I'm over halfway through my pregnancy like let me just try to embrace this Mm -hmm. And I had such an amazing pregnancy. I got so lucky. I didn't have any nausea. I felt great. And I'm like, I don't want to waste my entire pregnancy living in fear. Totally. I just need to celebrate like how lucky I am that this worked and I'm still pregnant. And so I think it hit me at like 23 weeks. That's it was my brother's wedding weekend. And I was wearing this like tight black bridesmaid dress that showed the bump. I'm like, you know what? Let's just own it and get excited. I did not realize that was the weekend that you told (laughs) us. You were like straight up pregnant. Yeah. You were like, I was so pregnant. So cute. That's so funny though, but totally understandable. Yeah. So, and the rest of the pregnancy was great. I mean, I guess I'm skipping way ahead now, and we didn't even talk about that I'm pregnant now, but like I just announced it now too, and I'm over 20 weeks. Yes, Lindsay is pregnant for the second time now, which is <laughs> such a fucking incredible miracle, and we're all so excited, but let's go through that process. So after you had this, deli- Noah is like truly, you guys, like a Gerber baby. Like he- I always ask Lindsay <laughs> if he's been asked to model because he is like so damn cute like oh, beyond but so your pre- your ego is prego right now to, so after you had noah i want to i do want to get into a little bit of labor because i think there are some things that people don't talk oh, about yeah. as far as delivery 
But when you were, let's stick with the IVF of it all. So you had one embryo left, right? Was it a conversation of whether you were going to no, go I through had, that process? No, I had, let's see, I had two left because I had, I had three from my first retrieval and then I had the one that was ectopic. So I had two left. Then I did the second retrieval and I got one. So I was back to a total of three and then I had Noah. So I had two going into this um, transfer and it was so easy, Jade. I can't even tell you the difference. Like, yeah, tell me the, like, tell me how they contrast. I just, it was completely opposite. So first of all, I didn't have to do another retrieval up front, which makes the process seem so much faster because you just prep for your transfer. Um, what you do before your transfer is, and everyone's different, but what I did was I had these estrogen patches that I wore on my stomach, and then I started doing um, progesterone injections every night. And I started those a couple of days before transfer, and you do them until you're nine weeks pregnant. Um, same thing I did with Noah, but yeah, so you're doing the patches and then a couple of days of shots. And then all of a sudden, like it's time to transfer. It just comes up so fast when you already have the eggs. I mean, the yes, when you have yeah. it, it's like, it's so much more seamless. And we had that 12 day wait that like dreaded wait. And, um, I had done the transfer and I was on bed rest for two days. And then on day five, we went to Hawaii with my family and that was like a great distraction because I wasn't just sitting at home thinking about it. And I was supposed to get my blood test the day that we got home. And I could not, I couldn't wait. And even though I didn't trust like the pee sticks anymore, I'm like, let's just go do one. So we went to the Wailea shops in Hawaii <laughs> and we got a, As have a other test. members of your family. <laughs> yes, that's so true. <laughs> Um, we got a test at the ABC store and I went in the public bathroom there and I peed on it and I came out and Mitch was like sitting there waiting. And then I showed him the test had two lines, but like, you know me, I know that like, just cause it has two lines doesn't mean my HCG is good. Doesn't mean my, right. my levels are rising. I was like, this is a good start, but let's see. Um, and then we came home. I had the blood test. My numbers were good. Everything was Everything. good. Ultrasound was good. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what's up with this? Like something's yeah. going to go wrong. This has been too seamless. And my nurse had said to me, it was the same nurse that I had last time. And she was like, just enjoy it. This is how it should be. Like it should not have been what you had last time. And it should have been like this. So just embrace it. But I couldn't, I still, I couldn't fully like trust the fact that like it was all going well. And then I graduated from the fertility doctor. I went to my OB. Everything's good. I'm 21 weeks and I'm just like, I am, I feel like the luckiest person ever. Oh my God. Oh my God. So like or when, at what week with this pregnancy did you feel like, like when did she give you that advice? So that, that was not like 10 weeks. She was like. She gave me a hug at my last appointment and she's like, look, this is how it should be. You know, don't, don't keep waiting for something to go wrong. We've tested the embryos. Your, your numbers are good. You're pregnant. Like you're okay. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, I still did all of those, you know, extra tests and scans yes, and everything. Of 
Yeah. And I popped so much faster this time around. So I was like, oh, I can't hide this one. For <laughs> I was, but I was going to say, is it is it typical for it to not get easier, but like for your body to kind of know the rhythm the second time around? And oh, like, yeah. I feel like my, my body's like, oh, I liked having that big belly. Let me go right yeah. back there. <laughs> <laughs> and you are the cutest pregnant person alive. Oh, so God. I mean, you're lucky you look cute pregnant. Thank you. But how did you change most notably from that girl? Obviously, you've become a mother since then. But what what did the whole process, how did that change you? I think that I was so naive back then. And I had no idea the struggles that could happen with with you know, getting pregnant, staying pregnant, having a baby, everything. And I think I learned so much about myself. Like I would have never thought I could go through what I went through and like make it out on, on the other side and be stronger and better and more appreciative and like grateful for my body. I think that it changed so much how I feel about my body and just made me so grateful for what it can do. The fact that like you can go through all of this and like your body still knows what to do to have a baby at the end of the day. So I learned a lot about resilience and like, I think that gives me a lot of confidence on a daily basis. I'm like, I've, I've been through a lot and like I can do, I can get through it. And I have, I have the support system to help me get through anything but I also have like a lot of faith in myself and, and what I am capable of now. Yeah. And I don't feel like I had that. Yeah. You're like the strongest version of yourself to be able to parent these kids. I think you know? also like being a mom, once you have your baby and like seeing what you can do and then watching them grow and turn into these like fun like mm -hmm. I mean Noah has so much personality I'm like I made, <laughs> so I made you you know I'm like, so proud incredible? I did that yes and at the end of the day like we were like full circle it's like it doesn't matter if he just appear you know what I mean like it doesn't matter how you make the baby you made a baby right. you know right. and I think that's important for people to hear and know and there's so many ways to get there like whether you do it this way or surrogate or you adopt like there's this like strength that you get from being a mother and like mm. and raising them and taking care of them that like it's just undescribable. Yeah. So what's your advice for someone, let's be specific, like that someone that just, you know, miscarried and is, you know, has to get back on the horse eventually. Like what would your advice be or even someone that's just starting out? I mean, my advice is to just like let yourself feel however you want to feel. Don't rush the grieving process. And like, I know that there's such a timeline when you go into these things. I remember starting IVF and being like, okay, so when am I going to be pregnant by? Mm -hmm. And it's like, totally. it doesn't really work like that. Who would have thought that all of these things would come up? I mean, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't, but like let go of the timeline and just let yourself heal and recover and feel what you want to feel. And if, you know, it takes you some time, allow yourself that time and just like surround yourself with the people that are going to make you feel really good. And don't feel bad if you have to, you know, stop hanging out with people that aren't 
going to make you feel your best for a little bit until you until you're back to yourself. Totally. And would you like this is something that my friends and I talk about all the time. Do you recommend that people test their levels early or do you, I think it's such a personal thing. Like I got all my levels tested and I like like informations and I also have a boyfriend, you know, who I foresee my future with. So I like kind of feel more settled knowing that. But I found myself at night kind of obsessing about it and being like a little obsessed with it, you know. And I think for other people, like my friends, they're like so scared to get their levels tested. They're like, it's so sobering and real. But then to hear you say that even some doctors don't take your AMH as like super indicative of how your fertility journey will go, it's comforting, you know. So I think even like yeah. the advice of not getting too hung up on numbers and levels and is important. I think like – it's a balance. It's like, is ignorance bliss or is knowledge power? Right, you know what I mean? Right. So like, is it better to just not know? I personally think it's better to just get get some tests done if you're struggling to get pregnant or even if you're just thinking about it, get some genetic testing done just so you know if there's something that might make things difficult because maybe you're like me who's like, oh, I don't want to get pregnant for a couple of years and mm-hmm. you don't realize it's going to take you a while. Maybe if I had gotten some more testing done early on, right? who knows? But I think it's just good to have that information up front, like get your hormone levels checked. Um, mine were pretty low. It was pretty obvious that something was off from the start. So just to know and, and meet with a doctor and you don't have to do it. You don't have to, you know, take steps forward at that point, but like, Meet with the doctor, show them all of your results, and just see what they think. Yeah, yeah, because time is not on our side, and as far as this goes, unfortunately. Yeah, and unfortunately, when you're like 30 years old, they act like you're so. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. Crazy. We need to abolish the term geriatric pregnancy immediately. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yes. It's so antiquated <laughs> and terrible. It is so terrible. So when are you due? I'm due February 9th, so the babies will be, like, just over two years apart, and I, my fingers are crossed for a a smoother delivery than with Noah, because that was an experience. We need to have you on to go through the whole labor process as well. Yes. Everyone says that, like, second time is faster, or maybe your body knows what to do. I I believe that. Yeah. So either way, it's so worth it, but I'm I'm very excited. And I think this is something notable to talk about because I think I know the answer, but I'm not sure. You know, while you're going through that, you're probably filled with envy, you know, looking to the left and right of you. Someone else is pregnant. Someone just got pregnant so easily. Someone, you know, whatever, all these different stories. But now do you feel envious of other people's journey now that you're on no, the other side? No, I mean— no. Now that I have Noah, now that I am pregnant again, I'm like, I feel so, so grateful to be where I am. And do I wish that it was easier? Like, that would have been nice. But to not have to go through all of that. But it got me to where I am now. It made me who I am. I do think about it like, you know, my sister just had her baby and she got pregnant so quickly. And I remember thinking, I can't believe people get pregnant right when they want to and for free. Like, it still blows my mind. It is mind-blowing. Yeah, like, you got pregnant for free. Wow, that's really cool. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
I think about that. That's true. I but you know what? I would not trade it because I wouldn't have Noah. Like it's I I can't have that perspective. I couldn't have had that now. perspective years ago. And you can't tell someone who's going through it. It's like telling them, oh, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Like in that moment, that's not Ugh. helpful at all. No. Now that I'm out of it and I have Noah and he's going to be a big brother. I'm like, this is exactly how my life, you know, like exactly how I would want it. And so I'm just so appreciative of it, even though it was hard. Yeah. And it's so wild that you even at one point had to kind of reconcile like, okay, what if I'm not able to have a kid or what all these things? Because you are such a natural mommy and like are so incredible. But it's like, that experience probably makes you appreciate it so much more. Yeah. I mean, it makes me sad, like, how much I love being Noah's mom. And I just love this phase of life. It makes me really sad to, like, think of myself a couple years ago saying that, like, I'm not meant to be a mom. Like, I hate that I ever had that thought. Yes, but it's so real. Yeah. So it does make you appreciate it. Like, I will tell you that once you have go through some of that and like you have a pregnancy that sticks you don't care about the stretch marks or the like any anything like that like bring it on yeah like I don't care what this does to my body or my like pregnancy acne or whatever I am just so lucky that this is still going on I'm still pregnant I'm having this baby so it gives you a lot of perspective Linz, I'm so grateful you shared this story. I forgot so many of the details and it's just, you're just a warrior. And it's like incredible to hear this story. Like I'm just in awe of you. And I know everyone listening probably is too. And it's, I know you're gonna help so many women through just this story. Oh, it's, thank you, You're Jade. amazing and I love you. Thank you for having me. Last few questions. What's a topic or concept you wish more women, either in the fertility space or the nutrition space or the motherhood space, were more open about with each other or would stop lying about? Oh, so there's so much. I mean, (laughs) motherhood, I feel like people should just like talk about the things that are hard because it is so hard. The beginning stages when you're in like the newborn haze, it's so hard and everyone's just like posting their beautiful like newborn shoots and like they're in this like bliss and there's a lot of that but it's also like oh my god the recovery is insane um for for me it was at least and I was not prepared I think that's something people need to talk about is like yes okay what happens when you get home and you have to take care of a newborn but you're also like sitting on ice packs and can barely you also are wearing a diaper (laughs) you and the baby will leave in a diaper you and the baby will leave in a diaper and you're going to be in it for a a while. So like, why isn't anyone telling you that beforehand? So I feel like that's a big thing, like talking about recovery and just, you know, the whole conversation we had, like just the experiences that people have gone through and the stories behind like those beautiful pregnancy announcements. We assume that everything's easy, but like for a lot of people, it's just not. Yeah. Most people I'm finding these days, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So what's a way in which you're currently working on yourself? I think I'm working on just being more present and positive this pregnancy. I am doing that same uh, meditation app, Expectful. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Anxiety creeping in, but I'm just trying to really embrace it this time because 
I now know how fast it all goes. And I just want to like enjoy the little moments of us as a family of three and being pregnant. And then like knowing that this time is so fleeting, like the newborn phase is so fast and I don't want to be worrying about it. Like first time around, I was so worried about everything. And this time I just want to be present and enjoy and enjoy it. So I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. I love that. I literally had the chills throughout this whole interview. Like I literally, I didn't stop getting the chills. This was just so amazing. Thank you so Thanks, much, Jade. Lynn. I hope Thank it was you. easier or, or I don't know, maybe just as hard as you imagined. But I'm so no, grateful. No, it was so good to talk about it. It felt really good. And I'm in such a good place now that I think this was like the perfect time for the conversation. And now if you follow Lindsay on Instagram, you can watch her family grow very, very soon. And I love you so much. Thank you. Where can everyone find you? Yes, you can find me at Weeknight Bite. It's spelled the normal way, weeknight, N-I-G-H-T, bite.com or on Instagram. I'm always on my stories and then sharing recipes and blog posts on the blog. All righty. I love you. And I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you later today. Love you, Love you. Thank you. I just want to thank Lindsay again for sharing her story with us. If you've listened all the way up until this point, you know that Lindsay really fucking went through it. And she's super lucky in so many ways. But I'm so grateful to her for sharing her story and opening up about those really dark moments because I really think there's so much that you can only understand by going through it and by losing a baby and by experiencing your body not cooperating with you or failing you, so to speak. So if you're having trouble conceiving and you want to reach out to Lindsay, her Instagram is at weeknightbite, Lindsay Surowitz. I know that she would love to talk to you about it and answer any questions you might have about this episode. And just thank you for listening. I will see you guys back here next week. In the meantime, if you would please, please write a review on the podcast page, follow, and maybe leave a few stars if you're feeling really generous. I would be so grateful. And I'll see you guys back here next week. Same time, same place. Bye.